0: I must say, that is a hymn of preparation if there ever was one. Amen. I'll tell you what, I'm going to do with, with these questions from God this week is I'm going to ask them of myself and my life and my ministry. Maybe you want to do the same. Maybe we can help each other with these summons. Thank you, James, for that. Last week, we had food, it was Halloween at Children's Moment down here. This week it was Veggie Tales Live. <laughs> a- and I tell you, that bad old broccoli, what are we going to do about broccoli, I tell you? <laughs> it's part of a theme that I hope you hear taking shape this morning. It's one of joy, make no mistake. But it's one where we experience joy when we look beyond ourselves and beyond even the walls of of our beloved spaces and say, not only who is my neighbor, but how am I being a neighbor? Today we're reading a preacher's dream and a preacher's nightmare. It is the parable of the Good Samaritan. I wanna ask you, why is this Samaritan so good? Why is this not the parable of the merciful Samaritan? What makes him good? I pray this morning as we hear these ancient words that the joy of the Lord would be among us as we feast now on the bread of life. As you are able, I invite you to stand for today's gospel reading. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Listen for the word of the Lord. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? To which Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite was coming to the place, and saw him, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near, and when he saw the man in the ditch, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you have to spend. Which of these three do you think was being a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I... I hope you've been filled with joy this week as you have maybe gotten to know your neighbors a little bit better. I I was reminded of a, a story from a few years ago where there was a woman every morning, she would wake up and she'd stand on her porch and she would shout, praise the Lord. And from across the street, her neighbor would say, there is no Lord. Well, one day she prayed, Lord, I'm so hungry. Please send me some groceries. The next morning, she found a big bag of groceries on her porch, and she went out and said, praise the Lord. And her neighbor said, I told you there was no Lord. I bought those groceries for you. To which the woman said, praise the Lord. Not only do I have groceries, but the devil paid for them. (laughs) Yes, we're talking about joy. Through loving our neighbors, at the heart of the parable of the Good Samaritan, we read about loving our neighbors and how to be our neighbors and how to be a neighbor, but how do we be a neighbor to someone who is so different? Together we just prayed on earth as it is in heaven, yes, it's part of the Lord's Prayer. And in this parable it all happens on a road and in a ditch. It's the road to Jericho, you see, to be clear. It's a road that is enigmatic with disparity and hardship. It's a road that physically, literally drops 3,600 feet in a span of only a few miles from Jerusalem down to Jericho. That's taller than Mount Chihau, as a point of reference. There's some interesting facts i discovered about Jericho. One is it dates back to the Middle Stone Age, some 9,000 years before Jesus walked on this planet. It was a time when hunters and, and gatherers started organizing themselves, and Jericho gave birth to one of the earliest civilizations on this planet. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. You all know that song and that story from which it came. That means the Ark of the Covenant was once in Jericho and that Harrison Ford was there too looking for clues. (laughs) Did you know that Herod the Great had a winter home in Jericho and he died there in the year 4 B.C.? Throughout time It had been a city uh, that was a minor city, and then it became a resort city. And when Israel declared itself a a state in 1948, by 1949, two Palestinian um, refugee camps were set up in Jericho. And since that time, it has been occupied and evacuated and dispersed and reoccupied. And currently, it's a Palestinian occupation on the west bank of Israel. It also is 846 feet below sea level. Jericho is the lowest city on this planet. But it has other challenges too. It's marked by steep passes and loose footing and plenty of places for bandits to hide. It's always been a place for ambushes and robberies. Even on the two trips that I have made to Israel, we could not go to Jericho. It was too volatile. But Jericho is far more interesting to me theologically than geographically. For with all of its history, with all of its politics, with all of its walls that came a-tumbling down, Jericho posed the first real obstacle that the Israelites faced. Jericho stood between God's people experiencing new life, That's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it continued to be a path of of suffering. It had its walls, only in the first century, these walls were not bricks and mortar. They were walls of, of labels and hatred and prejudice and exclusivity. And so Jesus uses the Jericho road as a symbol of suffering in the world. He uses Jericho in the story to define the situations in our lives which stand between us and God, what needs to come down, or the ditches which hold God's people whom we walk past every single day. Now, some of you are going to know this song, Zacchaeus was a wee little, and a wee little man was he. He was also a tax collector, did you know that? And he was somebody from Jericho who was pushed to the margins, well, kind of. He was pushed up in the top of what kind of tree? Sycamore tree, right. And Bartimaeus was blind. He was literally one of the lowest people in Jericho because he was blind. And so when Jesus walked past Zacchaeus, he said, come down. And when he walked past Bartimaeus, he said, get up. Because with Jesus, everybody gets to be on the same plane. And because Jesus sees everybody as a human being. So one of the things we're learning about Jericho is that it teaches us When there's a person in need and another person who can meet that need, Jesus is smashing all of that together saying, go and do it. So what about this Samaritan tale? You can actually pay your hard-earned money in Israel and somebody will take you to the exact spot where this story took place. And that really humors me because it's a parable. I want to end on that deal, (laughs) right? But Jesus knew that his hearers would hear something about Jerusalem to Jericho and the Jericho road being a place of of violence. They knew that and prejudice. They knew that and danger. They knew that. So why set it as a stage for Jews, their worst enemy was the Samaritans. Why set it as a stage where the Samaritans would become the hero? This is a road where innocent people were accosted and beaten by gangs of criminals. It's a road lined with bandits waiting to take all of your your life possessions, your la- very last possession. It's a road of uncertainty. It's a road of distrust. It's a road of, of anxiety. It's a road of, of unknowns. It, a lot of people started the, the Jericho Road journey, but they didn't know where, where it was gonna end and how it was going to end. This. Road is all at once the very worst roads in our, in our communities and the very best roads in our communities. You know why? Because it's the Jericho Road, a place where people all along the road get pushed to the margins and are waiting for one person to see them as a human and to offer a morsel of compassion. We all have our Jericho roads. Sometimes a Jericho road is the road that a spouse takes every day with her husband who's suffering from dementia or, or Parkinson's. They're, they're trying to find their way together forward. They're trying to find a bit of compassion, a, an outlet, a way that they can care for each other and be cared for and, and still continue to care for others. It's the Jericho road. It's, it's the road to recovery for the addict, not knowing At which next turn or or twist the temptation might come. It's the road on which single moms find themselves struggling for enough resources for diapers and for formula. It's the road along our southern border. It's the road that young teenage couples find themselves on when they discover they're pregnant. It's the road of chronic health issues. It's the Jericho road. It's the road where people find themselves suffering, where they have been robbed and beaten and stripped of every ounce of dignity and freedom. And it's upside down in many ways, because in the story, it was a preacher and a church person who walked that road and kept on walking. So it says something about the plight of of a neighbor in a ditch. And it says something about those who have the means and the ability to help that person. The road to Jericho is in every community because compassion is needed in every single community. Jesus here knew about this road, And so when the lawyer tries to get fancy with Jesus and and discount Jesus as a true teacher of the law, and and the lawyer tries to show off how much the lawyer knows about the law, forward and backwards, so much that he feels confident asking these rhetorical questions, Jesus takes their imaginations for a stroll. There's a Lutheran pastor, I've discovered, who, who does the same thing. He tells this story. One day a priest went to visit the Jericho Road. This priest was a very religious man and saw somebody who had been hurt on the Jericho Road, and he was mortified. So he came and gave that person the last rites, prayed for him, quickly went back to his parish as fast as he could. And the following Sunday, he preached his heart out, a sterling sermon about the Jericho Road, and he felt so much better about himself. We preachers do that. And then there was a a pastor of a different tradition, He, he went down to the Jericho Road and was appalled by by what he saw, it was it was awful on the Jericho Road. So he came back to his church and you know what he did? He taught a class called the Biblical Understanding and Perspective of Poverty. And they showed films of the people who were beaten on the Jericho Road and, and everybody felt rotten. But then they all felt so good, they took up a little offering, that they had done something for the man on the Jericho Road. And then there was another person, he was a revivalist. Now. He didn't actually go to the Jericho Road, but he saw it on television. And so he gathered like 60,000 people, and they went to the Jerusalem Dome, and they, under the spotlights, they sang songs about all the people along the Jericho Road. And then there was this uh, activist who went to the Jericho Road, and she became incensed by what she saw. So she came back to her community and started pulling the young adults and, and uh, the college students and getting high schoolers out, and they, they did a march uh, together to raise awareness for the, the person on the Jericho Road. And then there was a, a person from the, the right, and, and, and he went down the Jericho Road, and 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 saw some moral decay and said, we we need to do something about this with our education system and our tax brackets and all that. And we we actually need to fix the Jericho Road so that it's a better road system. Well, while the priest and the pastor and the revivalists and the activists and the moralists were all busy, the man on the Jericho Road died. Sometimes with the best intentions, this preacher right here will do everything except extend compassion to the person in need, especially the person different from me. So I've been asking myself this week, and I hope you'll join the conversation, who do you know who's in a ditch? And how do we see them? Will we see them? Will we be moved with compassion? to get down in the ditch. Because the ditches of life, they're everywhere too. At our supper tables and at the VA hospital and teen pregnancy centers and along our borders and in homes where families are on the verge of of collapse and yeah, they're in our school systems. People we know, strangers we meet every day, are in ditches waiting for someone to see them and to get in the ditch with them and to cast aside all the presuppositions and the stereotypes to take all the labels off just long enough for one morsel of compassion. So this parable, it is a lot about helping others in need. The beggar at the exit ramp, the single mom who comes into the office with a baby on her hip, the homeless person, or or just whomever is, is in need of help. It's all about helping the person that that we know we should help. But this parable gets really, really pointed when we start thinking about the people in the ditches whom we deem as our enemies. You know, the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. A Jewish person could not even walk in the shadow of a Samaritan without being deemed unclean by Jewish law. So there was no love loss. But it's the Samaritan who becomes the hero, not the priest, not the one who leads a nonprofit or teaches in the church, the Levite. But a Samaritan acts more like the person God is talking about than God's own people. Somebody much more radical than I said the Muslim or the immigrant, or the gangbanger, or the one with a long police record acted more Christ-like than the one who goes to church, to which I say, ouch, and that'll get you crucified. And it did. So in as much as this parable is about having enough courage to get in the ditches of life, when life happens at its worst, it's also about destroying some walls that we create between each other, and finding active ways to love people who are different from us. It's an invitation to the very heart of Jesus to overflow with love and mercy and compassion for the person who's different from us. And I believe that then and only then do we begin to discover what true joy is about when the other becomes our brother somewhere along the Jericho Road in life's ditches. We've talked at times in the past about what compassion is. It's this combination of words that means to suffer with, compatio, to suffer with. With whom are you willing to suffer? Because until we're ready to take on the suffering of someone else, we won't really know joy. Because that, friends, is the way of the cross. And there is no other way, really. Until we are prepared to, to roll up our sleeves and to do some ditch work for the person who hates our guts or for whom we have deep disdain, we will miss the meaning of joy. The lawyer, the lawyer begins by saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But the lawyer's not really interested in the answer. He just wanted a checklist from Jesus. Do these things. Here's your prescription. You'll be fine. And then he says, well, who is my neighbor? As if it's like... Um, debatable any children's minute can give us that answer who's our neighbor everybody you know all the vegetables we got it right (laughs) Jesus flips all of that upside down and instead of responding to the man's question or answering the man's question he says not who is your neighbor how are you being a neighbor and that's our starting point If Christians will pause long enough to see people wherever they are in the margins of life and then get down and get dirty and and pick up those persons who need some compassion, then the Jericho Road and all of its ditches become this intersection where the human and the divine meet, and that forms the shape of a cross. And what our communities need in this world today are a more authentic cruciform style of ministry. So when the Samaritan comes along after so many capable souls have kept walking and, and the Samaritan, the enemy, offers the Christian man some water and a pack of peanut butter crackers and then takes him to urgent care and uses his own insurance card to make sure that he receives the best possible help. And he puts the guy up in a, in a Marriott courtyard and signs a release form with, with the clerk and says, however long this person needs to stay here and whatever they need to put on room service, charge it to my account. And, and even after all of that, like a doctor making the rounds, this, this enemy checks on his enemy because he ceased to see the man as his enemy and has started seeing the person as a human being created in God's own image. Well, that's a lot. This parable is a preacher's dream and a preacher's nightmare. The last thing I I want to say about this is that this parable could just just have easily been called the parable of the robbers, but it wasn't. In fact, there's only 12 words that Jesus designates to the bad things that happen in this story. Jesus acknowledges the evil that took place, acknowledges the violence, acknowledges that people are pushed in the ditches and in the market, but he will not allow it to win the day. So this parable is not called the parable of the robbers, It's better known as the parable of the merciful Samaritan or the merciful enemy, because this parable, it actually is about mercy. It actually is about lavish generosity to the person who's in need. And on the rare occasion that one human has experienced the plight of another human, there's joy there. When we remove all of the labels and begin seeing other people as God sees them, then you see the actual face of God. We're not dismissing or insulating ourselves from all the bad stuff and the evil that exists, but we're not going to give a greater nod to evil and to to oppression and injustice and whatever forms they present themselves than they have already claimed for themselves, no. What we're going to say is we are people of the light. We see a need. We know how to meet it. We move in that direction. And there we find Jesus the Christ. I've been praying a lot this week about the family of Courtney Jones. Maybe you read about Courtney a couple of weeks ago. Courtney was preparing to begin her senior year of high school at Lanier High Courtney was hit by a stray bullet. I think she would have gone to Troy this time next year. Her family is on the Jericho Road, awaiting for someone to show them a little bit of compassion. And they're rallying, and churches are rallying. And as awful as that situation is, I refuse To give in to cynicism or nihilism because I believe so deeply in God's redemptive work in this world to overcome evil. I believe that Jesus Christ has already dealt with that kind of suffering and violence. And it lasts for a minute, but it does not last forever. There may be weeping in the night, but joy does come in the morning. So I refuse to allow evil and injustice and oppression and those headlines to rob my joy because I can do something about it I can laugh with children at Camp Lee as they tell fish stories it started out this big and by the end of the day it was this big I can I can go over here and and watch meals be prepared 244 meals this week make no mistake I refuse to let evil win the day because I can get in the ditch and make a difference. And so can we all. So my prayer, friends, is that wherever you find yourselves along the Jericho Road and the ditches of life this week, that you would pause, see your brother and sister, your stranger and your enemy, and know that they are a child of God. Go and do likewise.